I am the bringer of life. I am the destroyer of the world. I reunite nations. I kill all who oppose me. I am a machine, but I feel pain. I am human, but I feel nothing. I'm death. I'm friendship. I'm mistrust. I'm forgiveness. I'm waiting. I'm longing. I am the heart. I am the soul. The harbinger of doom. The messenger of joy. Passion. Anger. Fate. Destiny. Friendship. Love. I am the RPG. I am the golden years! Hello and welcome to a solo edition of RPG The Golden Years with me, Bill. <laughs> yes, yes, folks, uh, <laughs> things have not been going to plan of late. I am very, 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 very sorry. But currently Rich is off sunning himself on a beach somewhere, somewhere nice, I presume. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully it's raining. <laughs> nah, I'm joking. Rich deserves a holiday. He doesn't get much being an American. <laughs> um, but yes, so here I am. I'm here all on my lonesome, sitting in a room, talking to myself. It's very, very strange. And oh my God, he's hammering it down with rain in London today. But I'm sure you don't care about that. I'm sure what you want to care about is us, our Peggy. So, um, a few updates. Obviously, we um, we did relaunch the Patreon recently. Uh, you know, with a goal to try and get some more people on board. You know, if if we get if we get ten patrons, uh, then we will start playing FF10, which you know me and Rich don't particularly have fond memories of. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sadly, no takers. <laughs> I guess all the people who like to become patrons are already patrons. So a big thanks to our current patrons. Uh, you know, I I love all you guys. You're all brilliant. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know that hasn't gone very well. The campaign to get me a switch hasn't gone very well either. You know, if you join at the free dollar, uh, a free dollar tier, that all goes towards me getting a switch, and you get to nominate a game for me to play on the switch too. So you know, you could punish or reward me, whichever way you like. But uh, anyway, moving on from that, um, yeah. So we're currently in the middle of our Final Fantasy VIII playthrough. Now I think I may have mentioned this last time, um, but. I haven't moved on from the moment where we get to Fishman's Horizon in the game. Uh, I've kind of been uh, reusing my time. Yeah, I think we definitely did speak about this. Uh, we've been reusing my time to, you know, actually do updates and things for the show that are desperately needed. <laughs> so, you know, we've been updating our thumbnails and our sprites and uh, generally all that stuff. We've been um, added to the We Can Make This Work probably network, which was very exciting for me. Uh, so we now have a web website through those guys. So. Um, if you go to probablywork.com, you'll be able to find us on there. Uh, and we're going to slowly get our backlog of episodes up onto the website. All the new episodes will be showing on there, so you can find this one there. And, um, yeah, and then we'll slowly release out more and more content on there as well. I'm also getting myself ready for uh, November. November, I'm going to be very much concentrating on the rebuild of the materia lockdown event <laughs> that obviously that meant that that event starts uh, will start in march um uh, but uh, i have to be ready for it <laughs> so there's there's improvements that need to be made um, apparently as well twitter are 
changing a lot of their development tools and so i believe the way the app currently works may not work by the time we come to march so i can't just rehash what we've got so yeah i need to do quite a bit of work on that um so hopefully i'll be able to get jay on board for that one and hopefully i should be having a special episode next week where jay and scott come back you know fingers crossed it all comes together but <laughs> uh, you know we want to have a we want to have a good old chat about modern rpgs that have come out recently because uh, there's been a lot of good ones and uh, yeah there's a few things we want to talk about scott's been really into the uh, the the fitness rpg that come out no idea what that's about but it looks crazy and he said like he just finishes each gaming session that he does and it's absolutely sweating so <laughs> i'm really keen to find out more about that so hopefully next week we'll be uh we'll have those guys on board for you as well and um yeah like i said ffa is just kind of um i had a big rant about the the story execution of final fantasy 8 um and i've just not been able to get back into the game once i get back into it you know i'll pick it up i'll do the fisherman's horizon bit and i'll start plowing through again but yeah i just i got really annoyed with the you know from Again, I, I said it on the Discord a few times. When you come to critique game and you're playing it so that you can review it and sort of go over the bits of it, you kind of do look a bit more what's going on around in the game. And I remember being young and getting to the scene where you get into the garden, you know, the garden's been trying, you know, missiles are heading towards the garden. There's some sort of weird takeover with some sort of weird jellyfish guy called Narg or Norg. And it, and you go down and you make you make it fly. You make you make the garden fly, and like you know, when I say garden, you know, for those of you who haven't played Final Fantasy VIII, the garden is a huge college campus. <laughs> you make the whole campus lift up off the floor, and you fly it out the way of the missiles. And I remember that being so so cool when I was a kid, but looking at it from a critiquing point of view, it is kind of like there was no foreshadowing. This this was just like absolutely plot point you know it's just like yeah these missiles are definitely going to hit uh what can we do next i don't know, let's make it fly <laughs> it's just like it's just nothing to it it's like I, it may be a problem with the translation and scott tells me apparently there's a there's a really deep hidden menu somewhere which actually tells you more about the law but it's just kind of during that whole sequence sid sort of turns around and talks to you and says um um what should we do about these missiles you know he scratches his head for a second he goes well this garden was built on top of an old shelter maybe you could go down into the gubbings of the shelter and see if there's something there that will help and it's just like oh okay and then yeah miraculously you can make the garden fly by going down there and turning on something and it's just like how did the people oh yeah it really bugged me so you know it's just simple little things that could have been changed so Quistis at the beginning could have said like hey did you know that this garden was built on top of some ancient ruins just like yeah all the middle bits us but all the bit around the outside you know that big spinning plate that was here before no one really knows what it does you know and just say like we have some engineers downstairs trying some scientists trying to figure it out see if they can work out what this place was used for beforehand you know just a little something like that you know she could have said it as you were walking towards bloody the fire cave at the very beginning but no there's just there's just nothing <laughs> You know, and then yeah, if you but it's just like, yeah, we built this on this thing, no one really cared about it, so we've not bothered looking at it. I don't even know what it does, but there's a missile's gonna destroy us all, so why don't you go check it out? <laughs> now seems about the perfect time, like, no, Sid, no, evacuate, <laughs> don't put all your hopes into something that you don't really understand what it is or what it does or what it might do. I might have gone down there and pushed the button and blown the whole fucking place up before the missiles arrived. 
Oh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> you can see I got, but you can see I got very angsty about it. <laughs> I got very upset. Just like, no, this was so poorly executed. And the game feels like that a lot. Everything that happens in the game feels like it only happens because they didn't really know what to do next. Um, I assume they had an idea. I just don't know whether the translation effectively brought those ideas across. <laughs> I don't know who to blame, but someone's going to get it. <laughs> uh, yes, anyway, <clears throat> enough of my uh, innate ramblings about the storyline of Final Fantasy VIII. Again, I'm not hating the game. <laughs> I don't want to hate on it because um, I do have fond memories of it. I do have terrifying nightmares about this game as well. But um, yeah, it's kind of coming along okay. Uh, I just need to... I need to get over yeah see the more i talk about it the more i don't want to play it <laughs> i need to get over myself pick it up start playing fishman's horizon because that that'll be a nice calming section and um yeah and then i can continue the game from there oh but <clears throat> guys i'm all on my lonesome today so i reached out to the discord and i asked for some help we are going to be talking this week about the lunar series of games So here we go, people. <laughs> Welcome to my little chat on Lunar. <laughs> oh, I, I'm so nervous about this. <laughs> uh, hopefully this will be okay. Let's start with the advert. Now, the only advert I could really find, I assume, because I assume there was a U, uh, US one, but I couldn't find it. So all I could find was uh, this Japanese one. So I'm going to play it, and I'm going to describe it to you as I go along. I'll just turn the volume down a bit. <laughs> PlayStation. So there's an old uh, Asian-looking man. He's pulling a That went far too quick for me to describe. Basically, there's an old Asian man in a field pulling a vegetable out the ground. As it comes out, he holds it aloft in the air like a sword and shouts, Luna. And then, uh, and then it sort of flicks over to the animation scenes from the Lunar RPG and you see a little tiny section of the gameplay. And then it just ends with the old man shouting, holding the vegetable up to the moon. <laughs> but the moon's bright red. Uh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> oh, you, you've got to love the world, haven't you? <laughs> uh, right, so. Um, Lunar, right. So this goes all the way back, all the way, 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 way back to the Sega CD. There we go, folks. Have any of you heard of the Sega CD? Probably not. <laughs> so the um, the Lunar series was uh, originally uh, a set of role-playing games uh, developed by Game Arts, uh, and uh, it was published uh, by Working Designs and Ubisoft and Exceed Games, uh, like the, um, the US and uh, North American versions and the UK. UK, Australian, you know, all those sort of things. Um, now, the original series release of the Silver Stars of of Silver Star and Eternal Blue were so that's the first two games. So they came out pretty quickly, one after another, and they were published for the Sega CD, as I said. And uh, these games were eventually remade, reported, redone, everything. You know, 
so many times. So the first two games are the ones that everybody bloody loves. <laughs> and the third game, not so much. Now, there's a couple of spin-offs as well that didn't get released outside of Japan. I'll come into those ones. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, one, I believe one of them at least has been fan-translated. <clears throat> but the uh, the original Lunar series, which is, uh, so starting with the first game, Lunar Silver Star, um, was created on the Sega CD to utilize the Sega CD's video playback capabilities. The guys who are responsible for this were a very small studio called Studio Alex. And um, this was founded by uh, a respected programmer, uh, Kazunori Tommy, and a former, uh, he was a former employee of uh, Falcom, who made all the, um, the Yeast games. And, you know, you can see that Yeast style following over into the, into the Lunar series. And uh, he formed Studio Alex, which was just a very, very tiny, tiny company. Now, they initially developed three titles of the Lunar series and became part of a subsidiary of Game Arts. So it became clear uh, from for Kazanori that uh, he wasn't going to have the clout behind himself as Studio Alex to build this game that he wanted to by himself. So that's when he got Game Arts involved. Now, admittedly, uh, this uh, this uh, relationship with Game Arts does sour over the years. But uh, they were able to get out the Silver Star story for... Uh, the Silver Star, sorry, for the Sega CD. And this utilized uh, like 2D animation cutscenes and the CD quality graphics. And again, like I say, when you look at this game, it very much is in the same style-esque of, of the Yeast series. So you've got a very much top-down view. You know, you can see the character sprite, which is mostly its head because you're looking top down <laughs> and uh, you you basically play you know it's your it's your typical i i, I don't want to go into the story because i don't want to spoil it for myself i don't want to spoil it for you guys but you know you play a guy called alex who's uh he's a 15 year old uh, boy from a small town you know typical adventurous story he wants to become a hero he sets out to become a hero and you know might be the chosen one or some some sort of nonsense like that <laughs> but it takes place on a fantasy land of lunar which is a uh, small hospitable world uh, which orbits a giant blue star as it were uh, which is the barren blue planet known as blue star and so it's kind of like you know that foreshadowing type of thing that we have nowadays of the environment you know takes over and everything and we can't live on the earth anymore so these people have gone to live on the lunar the moon <laughs> so you've kind of got that whole thing going on so this is like the idea that everyone's moved to the moon thousands of years later we're all looking at the silver this big blue planet in the sky and thinking oh wouldn't that be nice <laughs> so again don't really know what happens in the story but that's kind of the basics of it so we had this wonderful animation sequence which was kind of the new thing for it and we had these lovely this amazing amazing music so it was composed by a uh, Nokuyuri Iwadi, Hishori uh, Fakuki, and Isho Misuguki. <laughs> I'm going to be butchering those names. Now, you may recognize one of those guys because he was the guy who also did the Grandia music. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and Luna plays like um, uh, like a uh, you know typical turn-based combat 
example there you get one character you get to choose your turn you can choose your enemy and you can hit the enemy now but there's also a kind of a strategy element involved where your characters will move about the screen so they can move a couple of steps and if they're close enough to the enemy they'll get to land a hit so you get to have like it's almost like a cross between a strategy rpg and a classic uh, turn-based rpg now where the lunar story gets very very interesting is because the um obviously who owned a sega cd you know it was a big add-on to the sega <laughs> to the sega genesis or the sega mega drive um and was it i might have got that wrong sorry about that sorry if i have um <laughs> but um <clears throat> the sega cd was not a was not a very well selling console out in out in North America uh, or Europe for that matter but it was a very it did sell very well in <laughs> it sold very well in Japan and also sold um, very well with RPGs that were released for the system so this was actually a very very popular game out there uh, so popular in fact that when it came push came to shove they re-released the game that's it re-released the game for the Sega Saturn a few years later. So just for context, the game was released in on the Sega CD back in June of 1992. It was released on the Sega Saturn uh, October 25th, 1996. And now even, even on top of that, a year later in July 7th in Japan, so Japan only this one as well, in 1997, there was a special edition of, uh, so um, it was called Led, uh, Lunar, oh, God, hang on, let me get this right, this is, <laughs> it gets a bit clumpy. so Lunar the Silver Star is the first game, and Lunar the Silver Star Story, complete, <laughs> is the remake of the game. Now, they basically updated everything. So the nice 2D animations they had in there, which were very similar to the Yeast animations they had in Yeast Book 1 and 2, were replaced with full anime FMV sequences, which is kind of what everybody knows and loves this game for these days. It has these beautifully animated sequences. And like I say, there was, a, there was an MPEG version of this game released for the Sega Saturn in 1997. And in all, that's very, very rare. Uh, in order to play that, you'd have to have a add-on car in the back of your Sega Saturn so that it was able to play with the updated graphics and audio that they put into the MPEG version. So if you do manage to get a copy of the Japanese version of the Silver Star Story Complete on the Sega Saturn MPEG version, you can only play it if you have a Sega Saturn and you have this special add-on card. Otherwise, it just won't play. <laughs> so yeah, go suck a nut on that one, eh? Um, <laughs> but yeah, the Sega Saturn version is the one that everybody... It's the port of the game. So, you know, we've had much conversation on ports and remasters. This is a remaster. And then the PlayStation version, which is the one we eventually got in English in North America in 1999. So to put that into perspective, the first version of this game came out in 1992 on the Sega CD in Japan. And it wasn't until May 28, 1999 on the PlayStation 1 that we got a ported version of this game from the Sega Saturn, or which was a remake of the first game. Yeah, so, you know, seven years later, <laughs> hey, you have this great game we've been playing in Japan for donkey's years. Uh, yes, but that goes without saying, everybody loved 
the version of the PS1 for the Silver Star Story Complete. Now, because it's complete, it's like a big collector's edition. So the PlayStation 1 version in North America is a huge, chunky beast <laughs> of a game. Uh, it's like it's almost like a double cart, and it comes with a big guy, and it comes with like a mini guide, a map, and all sorts of really cool stuff in it. So unfortunately, it's a really expensive to get your hands on like an original copy of this PS1 version which is a port of the Sega Saturn version, which is a remake of <laughs> the original. So, so, you know, every time they... So when they did the remake on the Sega Saturn, they updated the graphics, the music, the animated sequences. They even tweaked the combat slightly as well, made it a bit better. Uh, I do hear that the combat in this game is quite easy. And it's not nothing too challenging. Um, and then again, once they moved it and ported it to the PlayStation, they did a bit more work on it, and they, they again, they just upgraded everything ever so slightly, just to make it a bit more sexy. <laughs> and did the exact same thing as well for Lunar Eternal Blue, which is the second game. So the first two games, uh, now apparently the second one depends on your point of view. I think people who love the first one don't enjoy the second one quite as much, but some people say to, some people are also saying that I've seen out there that the second one does everything the first game does but slightly better so but I don't think the story was maybe quite as compelling I, I don't know but these two games are both excellent excellent games as far as the community is concerned again myself I haven't played these games um, but yeah Lunar Silver Star Story and Eternal Blue are supposed to be very very good and these are also available on iOS these days yeah, you can download them straight to your phone, although I believe it's called Lunar uh, Silver Star Story Touch. So I'm not, uh, I was a bit thin on the ground on information that I could find on the changes made. I assumed it was just, you know, converting everything to work with Touch. I don't think they tweaked the game too much. So I believe that is a port of the PlayStation version, which is the one they generally just pull everything off of these days. Now, there are. <laughs> God, this. <laughs> see, considering so far I've only talked about the first two games, I'm still going to talk about the first game because there was another port of this game which was kind of a demake for the Game Boy Advance. So, yes. Um, now, this had nothing to do with game arts, I believe. I think someone else had the rights to this and they went ahead and did a demake. I'm going to call it a demake. People keep calling it a remake or a or a remastered version of it, but it's a very basic version of the game uh, because it's on the Game Boy Advance. It's on a tiny little cartridge. And the reason this was originally released on the Sega CD is that they wanted to make use of all the extra animations and the better sound quality. Again, I only really have Yeast Book 1 and 2 to compare it to because that was for the graphics, uh, the Turbo Graphics CD. Uh, and the reason it was done for the CD and not for the cartridge for the Turbo Graphics 16 is because they wanted to have animated cutscenes in it, which they did. You know, they were computer animated cutscenes and they were gorgeous for the time and had great soundtrack, but they had to use the CD to get that amount of information on there. And, you know, it's just like dipping your toes in the water of this new technology. And they did it in 1992 with the Silver Star. And, yeah, they then decided to make this weird <laughs> demake for the. Uh, <sighs> for for the Game Boy Advance. Now, I suppose it depends on your point of view. If you're really nostalgic for the first game and you wanted to play it portable, this would have been your way. The story is basically the same. Um, now, and one of the things I always say about the story is that it's very funny, apparently. 
apparently these games are hilarious <laughs> and apparently the second one is the funniest of the two uh i don't know what that implies but i'm very much looking forward to playing this game one day uh, in fact both of these games maybe not the other ones <laughs> um so we have this weird so it, it basically it becomes all very 2d again you know there aren't cut scenes but when you meet characters and there would have been a cut scene you kind of just get a big close-up of their face um the text boxes the character sprites have been changed and even the gameplay you don't have the tactical movement anymore it's now more of just a purist turn-based uh mainly because i don't think the game boy advance would have been capable of having that extra stuff on there now what we do have is then another another remake <laughs> uh, called Slunar Silver Star Harmony, uh, which was released in 2002 by Media Rings and Ubisoft, and this did have the backing of um, this did have the backing of Game Arts. This one, uh, and it was also uh, in 2009 released, I believe, for the um, uh, for the uh, European and North American markets and stuff by um, Gung Ho Online, which you may recognize because they are the people who recently released the um, Grandia, uh, Grandia 1 and 2 HD remix for the uh, for Steam and uh, Switch and all that stuff, um, and uh, Exceed Games, respectively. So those, yeah, they released uh, this one, which is actually a remake, again, where is a lot of improvements the psp version is gorgeous but they've added a lot of elements into it um and so it's not quite true to the original so it hasn't i don't see as much love for it but there is still everyone says you know it's an excellent version of the game and um the psp version again was supposed to be after the game boy advance you know oh yeah this is better this is what the portable version of this game should be like but again like i say now it's available on ios so <laughs> if you've got an iphone you're happy to go along and play this game so yeah again not much difference between lunar and lunar eternal blue they have very much the same sort of storyline there isn't quite as many ports of eternal blue uh eternal blue uh, <laughs> eternal Blue was just ported from the Sega CD, also oh, remade from the Sega CD to the Sega Saturn, and then ported from the Sega Saturn to the Sony PlayStation with updated graphics. And yeah, <clears throat> um, then oddly enough, <laughs> um, because the oddly enough we got Eternal Blue first, <laughs> which is really strange. <laughs> yeah eternal blue was released in 1995 in north america uh, uh, so yeah apparently we got that one first uh, i believe on the sega saturn that version um or maybe sega cd version <laughs> um yeah sorry i didn't make a good note with that one <laughs> uh but yeah this this one follows again another would-be explorer adventurer called hero and he goes on an adventure to save luna in some sort of way from some sort of evil being <laughs> uh, but yes made along with uh, game arts and studio alex uh, so again studio alex being the ones creating the game and game, game arts being the one giving the actual the clout behind it being a much much bigger company uh, so let's talk about walking school shall we anybody interested in walking school no okay i'll move on <laughs> what's walking school you ask bill I haven't heard of this game. Uh, well, you should have. Uh, Walking School is kind of a prequel. 
<laughs> did everything. Uh, it was a game that was released again only in Japan, uh, and it was released for the Game Gear. And then there was actually a port for, <laughs> sorry, a remake of Walking School for the Sega Saturn. Again, only released in Japan. Thank you, Japan. Um, called and they they just altered the name slightly. I think it was called Magic School instead of Walking School. So. Um, yeah, you know, very strange stuff. Now, uh, it is a Lunar game, and I it is set uh, as a prequel to the old games, and it's about um, uh, some field workers who, you know, their town, uh, they get they basically get enrolled into a magic school, and um, it kind of goes on to there. It's kind of set into different chapters. Um, I don't know much about this game but i do know it was like i said remade for the uh, sega saturn and was they, they retitled it magic school lunar there we go uh, which uh, they describe here as an enhanced remake uh, and yet it was eventually um it was eventually i haven't put it down here bugger uh, this this game was fan translated so you can get a fan translated version of this game and play it but i kind of hear middling reviews on this and um unfortunately this this is the game that kind of caused the uh breakdown of the relationship between studio alex and um game art so studio alex i believe tried to sue game arts um, I believe when one of the remakes was made and um, about the rights of it. So I think this may have been for the Game Boy Advance one. And Game Arts, uh, being a much bigger company, then countersued them for some things that they apparently did wrong or didn't finish off in walking school that was part of their contract. Uh, whatever the um, whatever caused the lawsuits either way, I'm, I'm not 100% clear on the facts. Uh, I know there was a battle. Uh, I know Game Arts won because you know the big boys always win when it goes to court unfortunately and uh, yeah unfortunately that bankrupted studio alex so theoretically this is where the story of lunar should end we had two very good games we had a mini spin-off which was a prequel i think it's set 100 years before the first game i want to get that right uh, but i'm not entirely sure so uh, but this basically caused the the death of studio alex uh, they went bankrupt they went out of business and um uh, but the guy who was the head behind like you know he was the brains of the operation when it came to the lunar games he was part of studio alex and i believe he went to work for um i believe he went to work somewhere else uh i want to say ubisoft but again i can't be right on that <laughs> uh but yes uh, that all happened um in 2003, the company filed a lawsuit against Game Arts over uh, secondary creator copyrights to Luna the Silver Star, but was sued in turn for damages in regards to trouble over the Magic School Luna theatrical animation. There we go. And they lost, and Studio Alex was bankrupt thereafter. So I just wanted to get the exact wording on that, <laughs> just to make sure it was clear. So yeah, they tried to sue him over the uh, over the rights for the Silver Star story, and uh, they, they countersued about that, and they won. So. Sadly, they were no more, and they took the brains of the operation with them. Now, obviously, game designs still wanting to have flagship RPGs 
managed to rope in, you know, the, the two brothers that I've spoken about previously in the Grandia episodes, and they created the Grandia series, which a lot of people consider a spiritual successor, uh, mainly because you have very similar aspects like the battle systems, because in Grandia, the characters move around the screen, and if you're not close enough to the enemy, you can't hit it. Now, from the video footage that I've watched, you know, they do operate in very different ways, but they just kind of have similar feels to the way those battle systems work. Um, and yeah, you know, the art style, the animation, it's all very, very similar in both. Uh, so you can tell game arts really like the style. And so they went off on their own and created the Grandia series, which, you know, died in its own way. Now, the death of the Lunar series <laughs> comes a little bit later on in life. <laughs> so here we're going to talk about a DS game, uh, Dragon Song. So Dragon Song uh was um actually called something else in japan i believe it was called um oh no it was called lunar genesis in europe and it was known in north america as dragon song and it was released exclusively for the nintendo ds uh, and this was in uh, so in japan it was released in 2005 in august and it was released in september 27th uh <clears throat> in north america and february uh, 2006 in in power region so you know, europe australia all that sort of places um and yeah um <laughs> wow does this game not have a good reception <laughs> so this was actually created by a um by marvelous interactive uh no sorry japan art media it was published uh, by marvelous interactive and japan art media were one of the companies that helped with the ports and remakes that they made for the Silver Star and um, Lunar games. I think they made the Game Boy game, if I remember correctly. And yep, this game is absolutely hated by everyone. Uh, it's often described as not only a like a poor version of the Lunar games. Doesn't apparently doesn't feel anything like the Lunar games, but it also is just one of the worst RPGs ever made. Now, poor old Japan Art Media, they'd only ever done ports <laughs> up until this point. And then, yep, they were asked by Game Arts to go out and make <laughs> a successor to the Lunar series. Now, this game is set as the prequel of prequels, 1,000 years before the events of the first game. So, and way back in time here. And, uh, yeah, it's just, this game has such terrible scores across across the way so on metacritic it's actually got a 59 out of 100 which doesn't seem too bad but it's just um yeah man euro gave i gave it a three out of ten uh, game informer gave it a 4.7 out of 10 it's just you know some of some of them give it decent ratings some of them give it very middle nintendo power gave it a seven out of ten you wankers <laughs> God, you, you know how to sell bad shit to people don't you anyway <laughs> um yeah it experienced uh, low sales during its original japanese selling time um and it just yeah it just got very bad scores as well uh it was described as being bothersome and stressful <laughs> such as losing losing health while running so if you ran in the game you would lose health uh, and the battle system just looks very, very tedious. Now, there is a function here, which is something, you know, we're experiencing a lot these days with the ports and remakes. With the L and R buttons, you could actually speed up the battles. 
But even when you're using the fastest version, so I, think, I believe you know L was two times speed and R was three times speed. Um, <laughs> even at three times speed, the battles were still really slow and tedious. It would just take forever. The fundamentals of this game were just uh, botched, basically. And yeah, just the story was lackluster. Oh, it just didn't do very, very well. And unfortunately, you know, when you have a series that hasn't had a proper release for a while, because everything was just off the back of the first two games, the third game never made it out of Japan, really. Although, again, it was fan translated, and I do hear relatively good stuff about the fan translation. But, yeah. <laughs> sadly, uh, sadly, a bad, a bad game at this point in time, you know, a few years after the main series. So, yeah, like I said, if you consider the fact that Eternal Blue was released in 2004 in Japan, and then technically the third game being Dragon Song was released in 2005, like nine years of nothing to be followed up by this. It just, you know, you're asking to kill a series off. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's pretty much all I have on it, really. So there's the... The original studio, which had the the guys who were the brains behind the series, got sued by their own by them by, by their own big daddies, uh, and um, they don't exist anymore. And then the one attempt that the other guys made to make a sequel to it was just a terrible, terrible game. So sadly, the Lunar series is dead and buried. But you know, we are left with two, maybe three. <laughs> maybe we'll get Walking School nominated as one of our Japanese games. Um, very good. RPGs and one terrible one, which hopefully we'll never ever have to hear about again. <laughs> so, moving on. So guys, I reached out to Discord last night in a uh, in a last ditch plea. <laughs> Please help me, um, because I was very very nervous about talking by myself for a long time. Um, uh, and yeah, you can probably tell that. <laughs> but I, I reached out to the gang on Discord and I said, "Hey guys, uh, do you guys want to leave any reviews or any fond memories about the Lunar Games?" And I did get some response from Rob, good old Rob Lennon, uh, and. Colin, us, who uh, I who I always call uh, Saga Jesus, because he knew everything about Saga Frontier, <laughs> and yeah, he is the he is my Jesus when it comes to the Saga games, and also uh, Nitro MP, I believe, left some comments. Let's see what they had to say about it. So, Colin comes back, and he says, "Let's see what I can remember from when I was 14, 15. 
somewhere in there. Uh, gameplay was fairly simplistic, but the main draw for me was the story. It was one of the few games I took time to talk to almost every single NC, uh, NPC I came across. I was so lost in the lore that when it came time to give it back to my friend, I hadn't even finished getting all the playable characters. What I can remember about the story is... <laughs> I'll be careful here not to do some spoilers, uh, is that I couldn't see um, what was coming next. Every twist took me by surprise. Uh, but Devil's Advocate on that aspect is that I hadn't played many RPGs, as I had, have I have since, uh, so, bleh, as I have since so knowledge of tropes uh, was, um, oh, so as, uh, as such, uh, must have been changed since, uh, my knowledge of tropes was at a minimum. So from what I can garner now is that the trope feel uh, field level that this is a trope field lovable game one i should revisit soon methinks uh, chosen one tropes are <laughs> part of almost every rpg um, as it is seemingly implausible to have a game <laughs> developed any other way <laughs> yeah i think you got a point there colin uh, i do recall being mildly annoyed with the magic system i tend to in my um, in my gameplays rely heavily on magic i guess that kidding me um a person uh, a person can always pick up a sword and use it i guess that's the kidding me uh, but a person can always pick up a sword and use it but you can't just pick up a stick or one staff and shoot fireballs so gaming has always had that fantasy of if i could be real i would be a mage <laughs> if this could be real i would be a mage uh, i think that's what annoyed me and having but not having enough attack magic uh and the plethora of healing support magic uh, and then rob replied uh, saying i remember you need a, you need to stock up on mp mp refilling items i burned through my mp also there was one dungeon uh, dungeon that the magic uh, that was magic only so that was a tricky one if you ran out of mp before getting to the boss you were screwed i also remember this game was racy not porn or anything but racy perfect for boys 12 to 16. there was collect um collectibles which were essentially count <laughs> centerfold picks of all the female char characters no nudity but tastefully done you could also come across the item soap if you found it in the right bathhouse you could trigger a short video of a random character bathing <laughs> uh, the boys bathhouse appears to be going through um, uh, the boys bathhouse appears by going through the regular storyline the female bathhouse however is hidden behind a very hard dungeon <laughs> uh, these game developers knew exactly what demographic <laughs> they were aiming for and knew exactly what they were doing lol Oh, now Nitro MP. <laughs> he gives a very long review here. Uh, uh, M Nitro NDP. Back in the 90s, I relied on the official US PlayStation magazine for my PlayStation recommendations. Hey, so did I. Uh, well, the official U UK PlayStation magazine. Uh, each of their magazines had a demo disc featuring playable demos of recently or soon to be released games, um, as well as trailers for upcoming releases. I'll admit I was addicted to these demo discs back then. Oh, I have too. I actually went through my cupboards recently and found a stack of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, very pleasing. Uh, I learned many of my current main, uh, favorite games through through that magazine and its demo discs, like Metal Gear Solid, Final Fantasy Tactics, Resident Evil 2. Oh, the Resident Evil 2 one was great. You had like a 10-minute timer to get through as much as the game as possible. Uh, and the list goes on. But one game featured in um, OPM's demo disc stands out above the rest. Lunar Star... Silver, uh, silver story complete uh, the demo disc featuring the game only contained the scene where Lunar sings her intermediary song Wind's Nocturne, the boat song 
I was very curious as to why a game needed a musical number to promote an RPG with enemy cutscenes. And at the time, I was a huge sucker for games featuring enemy cutscenes, as this was also during the time uh, when Toonami and Saturday Anime was building up my enemy interests. Oh man, I feel like we had the same childhood, but in two different countries. (laughs) But what separated Lunar from the other anime influence games was that there was way more than 10 minutes worth of animated cutscenes, and the amount of effort that went into the localization of the game. The more I learned about the game, the more I learned about how much went into into the packaging of the game, the more I needed it. Surely a game with as much anime in it (laughs) and as much physical bonus content for the price of one single game, surely all of that meant this could be one of the greatest games ever made. That was what I thought, and when I finally got to play the game, I was not disappointed. I fell in love with the soundtrack, I was enamored with the characters, and I had empathy for the plot developments. for the plot developments, most uh, for the plot developments, most importantly, uh, it was this game that inspired the, the name Nitro, <laughs> a name I would use for anything and everything <laughs> I ever did on the internet. My first AOL screen name was Nitro Dagger, named after the uh, one of the Galeon's attacks, and I've gone through some variation of the Nitro name since um, online since 2000s. Uh, speaking of Galleon, uh, John Turret's performance was probably one of my favourite of the entire dub. Yes, I've heard that as well. <laughs> but I didn't want to get too much into the story and character, so I couldn't really talk about it. Uh, his delivery of every line, no matter how silly or over the top working designs made the lines, were top notch every single time. I'm sad that he didn't do more voice work beyond Luna, because uh, that would have been <laughs> beyond Luna, because he would have been one of the voice uh, voice acting's best. I know uh, Troy Baker's performance in the PSP version was closest to the Japanese, but Truitt made Galeon his own, and it was great. Oh, and I can't forget about Eternal Blue. Thank you. I want you more on that. <laughs> that was that was a fun one. Like Eternal, I felt like Eternal Blue's story wasn't as memorable. There we go. But the game was bigger, the characters were just as fun, and I remember fighting Zophar for nearly a year before finally being able to defeat him and do all the post-game dungeons. Working Design's translated uh, translation of Eternal Blue complete uh, was a bit questionable, though. Throwing in um, the word uh, artard <laughs> more than once. Uh, but still, I enjoyed the game and... I still, but still, I enjoyed the game. I still own both copies of Silver Star Complete and the PSP Silver Star Harmony and uh, Eternal Blue Complete. The PSP version was okay. The graphics were kind of eh, and and they nerfed the final boss a lot, but it was still fun. And that, and uh, and all the fills I have, and that's all the fills I have to write on short notice. Nope. Thank you very much, guys, for getting involved. You know. Um, I think I've, I've quite often asked for people's reviews and stuff on games, and normally I'm I'm met with a tumbleweed. So it was great that I got three of the guys out to actually give me some some nice nice thoughts on the Lunar series. So that's it this week, guys. Um, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my ramblings on my own. Uh, I'm sure uh, Rich's uh, <laughs> Spotify, <laughs> not Spotify, he's um, anchor adverts where it says, you know, let's listen to whatever Bill's rambling about, uh, has extra meaning today. So thank you for that. <laughs> um so yeah again guys you know 
If you like the show, please feel free to give us a, a review on iTunes. Uh, we would love we love your feedback, you know, positive or negative. Just feedback is always always welcome. If you really like the show, please follow us on Patreon. Uh, tiers start from one buck a month, and on on the Patreon you'll get ad free episodes of the show. So if you're getting really annoyed with Rich's adverts, <laughs> you know, one buck a month will will free you up from that tyranny <laughs> from Rich's tyranny. <laughs> Um, yeah, and you can also follow us on Twitter at RPG Years and all that gump. Um, so, yeah, guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and um, I hope I did a, a relatively good job. <laughs> uh, hopefully, I won't have too many more solo episodes because Jesus, have I been talking a lot? <laughs> My throat is getting very, very dry. Right, I'm going to go have a coffee, and then I'm going to go beat Sid to death for not knowing how his garden worked. <laughs> Over and out, guys. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Yeah. RPG The Golden Years is produced by Bill and Rich. You can find them on Twitter at RPG Years. You can also contact Bill at Matunica and Rich at Hailu1569. You can also find them on Patreon by searching RPG Golden Years. And, as always, Please show these gentlemen some love by rating and reviewing their show wherever you receive your podcast feed. And now is the time that our heroic duo check in at the local inn to replenish their HP. Good night, gentlemen. Podcasters Assemble Season 2 is a hype-slash-rewatch podcast that's reviewing every movie in the Star Wars Skywalker saga and a countdown to the release of Episode 9. As with Season 1, where we covered all of the films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we want to hear from you about your favorite things in the Star Wars films. You can submit audio for just one of the movies in the Skywalker saga, or you can send in an audio file for every single one. Talk about what you love about the film, your favorite like light side moment versus dark side moment, or your favorite music cue, your favorite quote, or your favorite ship or vehicle in the movie. If you go to probablywork.com and look for Podcasters Assemble, you'll find these instructions as well as a link on where to go to submit your audio. In order to make sure we have time to edit everything, we're looking for you to submit your audio a couple days before that. So the deadline for the first episode is going to be October 20th. And then it's weekly after that. So for episode two, it's October 27th and so on from there. Again, you can find the schedule and all of this information at probablywork.com. Whether you're a podcaster, a YouTuber, a streamer, or just a fan of Star Wars, we want to hear from you. So head to probablywork.com or look up at Casters Assemble on Twitter and share your thoughts about Star Wars.